to be mistaken for another distressed robot. Fortunately, the big machine took no notice of him at all. So Peyton descended through level after level of the great building, past the living quarters, through the room in which he had first found himself, and lower yet, into regions he had never before seen. As he descended, the character of the city changed around him. Gone now were the luxury and opulence of the higher levels, replaced by a no-man's land of bleak passageways that were little more than giant cable ducts. Presently these two came to an end. The conveyor passed through a set of great sliding doors, and he had reached his goal. The rows of relay panels and selector mechanisms seemed endless, but though Peyton was tempted to jump off his unwitting steed, he waited until the main control panels came into sight. Then he climbed off the conveyor and watched it disappear into the distance toward some still more remote part of the city. He wondered how long it would take the superautomata to repair A5. His sabotage had been very thorough, and he rather thought the little machine was heading for the scrap heap. Then, feeling like a starving man, suddenly confronted by a banquet, he began his examination of the city's wonders. In the next five hours, he paused only once to send the routine signal back to his friends. He wished he could tell of his success, but the risk was too great. After prodigies of circuit tracing, he discovered the functions of the main units and was beginning to investigate some of the secondary equipment. It was just as he'd expected. The thought analyzers and projectors lay on the floor immediately above and could be controlled from his central installation. How they worked he had no conception. It might well take months to uncover all their secrets. But he'd identified them and thought he could probably switch them off if necessary. A little later he discovered the thought monitor. It was a small machine, rather like an ancient manual telephone switchboard, but very much more complex. The operator's seat was a curious structure, insulated from the ground and roofed by a network of wires and crystal bars. It was the first machine he'd discovered that was obviously intended for direct human use. Probably the first engineers had built it to set up the equipment in the early days of the city. Peyton would not have risked using the thought monitor if detailed instructions had not been printed on its control panel. After some experimenting, he plugged into one of the circuits and slowly increased the power, keeping the intensity control well below the red danger mark. It was as well that he did so, for the sensation was a shattering one. He still retained his own personality, but superimposed on his own thoughts were ideas and images that were utterly foreign to him. He was looking at another world through the windows of an alien mind. It was as though his body were in two places at once, though the sensations of his second personality were much less vivid than those of the real Richard Payton III. Now he understood the meaning of the danger line. If the thought intensity control was turned too high, madness would certainly result. Peyton switched off the instrument so that he could think without interruption. He understood now what the robot had meant when it said that the other inhabitants of the city were sleeping. 
There were other men in Komar lying entranced beneath the thought projectors. His mind went back to the long corridor and its hundreds of metal doors. On his way down, he'd passed through many such galleries, and it was clear that the greater part of the city was no more than a vast honeycomb of chambers in which thousands of men could dream away their lives. One after another, he checked the circuits on the board. The great majority were dead, but perhaps fifty were still operating, and each of them carried all the thoughts, desires, and emotions of the human mind. Now that he was fully conscious, Peyton could understand how he'd been tricked, but the knowledge brought little consolation. He could see the flaws in these synthetic worlds, could observe how all the critical faculties of the mind were numbed while an endless stream of simple but vivid emotions was poured into it. Yes, it all seemed...